0: This is Frontierland with Dr. Dean Allen. According to the author Tom This, having a purpose is the difference between making a living and making a life. A son of the African soil, Wayne Bolton lived in Zambia and Zimbabwe before settling in South Africa. His purpose is conservation. By day, he runs his own labour law consulting business. At other times, he's a qualified field guide for the Kruger National Park and Addo Elephant National Park areas. He also volunteers as a ranger for the sand parks. In 2017, Wayne and his wife Nikki established a non-profit company, One Land Love It, affectionately known by the acronym OLLI. Together with their daughter Laura and a board of directors, OLLI is active in rhino conservation, including direct rhino work, education and awareness. An adventurer at heart, Wayne has actually cycled the equivalent of three quarters of the way around the world in aid of his cause. His purpose in life is truly an inspiration. Enjoy. Well, Wayne, you've ridden a bicycle from Namibia to Nelson Mandela Bay, a total of 2,500 kilometres. Are you mad? I think I might be. Sometimes
1: I wonder if I've had too much sun, but I like to think it's it's passion that drives me and uh, a little bit of madness helps as well.
0: So tell me a bit more about this One Land Love It initiative. We know it as Ollie, of course, and uh, I understand that it's a family affair.
1: Yeah, Dean. So the 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 roots um, are in a family initiative, but obviously it's become greater than that. Now we have a a fully fledged board of directors. which, uh, for governance purposes, is essential. But Olly, or which is the acronym for One Land Love It, came, well, it's really birthed out of the, our first expedition, uh, wrote 6,000 Ks, joining all the Sand Parks Reserves. And we picked up a substantial following, like minded people who really enjoyed conservation and what we were doing. Um, and we wanted to do some
0: justice to, to that. Um, and Ollie was born. I want to talk a bit about you, if I may, Wayne, because you really are a son of Africa. You were born in Zambia. You grew up in Zimbabwe. So tell me about those formative years.
1: Yeah, so I I wish I I remembered more about Zambia, because I left there when I was three, but subsequently did go back um, with my late dad. It was one of the highlights, I think, of my life now, looking back, just to go and see your heritage, you know, when you... As you get on, you want to go and see where you where you from, basically. But Zambia was very much a, um, a an environment where you know fishing and hunting and outdoors was just a part of your DNA, and so it's no surprise that um, what I do now is with that in mind. But we left when we were about three years old, you know, with with the change in the schooling and the hospital set up uh, my folks took a decision that at the time rhodesia offered a, a greater opportunity you know for schooling and so on and so we moved south like so many other people did at the time and i stayed there until i was 17 so really i still see myself as a zimbabwean that i think was where my you know my core goes and a lot of time spent in the bush as a youngster you know in those days with with a catty or a bicycle or, you know, that kind of an existence. But certainly my, my parents, and I think in particular um, my dad, had a love for the bush. So it really became ingrained in me uh, not to take nature for granted. It was something that gives me absolute satisfaction. I feel like I'm, I'm myself, uh, my own person when I'm in the bush. And uh, I think Zim gave me that. And then we moved down uh, further south in um, to, to Durban. Uh, we lived there and that's where I met my wife, uh, who is still my wife after over 30 odd years. Um, but I'm glad that I've been able to carry on that, that passion for, for what I do in, in wildlife. Yeah.
0: And yeah, we talked about your family, so important to you, of course, and I understand that your daughter Laura is also involved in in what you do yeah so both both of our kids love the outdoors you know
1: son daniel who's in in cape town as an architect with laura being closer yeah has has really had opportunity to explore that passion as well and as, as i say a lot of these things are how you bring your children up if you bring your kids up like like my folks brought us up to to really be conservationist and to appreciate nature and to bring longevity to nature through what you do it's a part of your value system. So Laura became a Sandparks Honorary Ranger together with Nikki and I, well, afterwards, obviously, but um, I've been one for over 15 years now, both Nikki and I. And so she got involved in, in that um, and being involved in the first expedition, I think just ignited that that activism, that it's not enough just to care for for wildlife, for the environment. You have to move from caring to doing, and obviously that's what the cycling uh, really symbolized. Uh, you're doing something physically to make the future a better place. So she's got on board with that. She's busy with her her helicopter license at this stage. She wants to be involved in, in conservation work um, through flying. And uh, she, she's got a marketing inclination as well. So she does really... With support for us on the expeditions and for our non-profit um one land love it
0: so for people listening it's a, it's obviously a balance you've got to create here i mean you <laughs> You're not an, an adventurer 24 hours a day. I mean, you've got this incredible sort of CV of things that you've done. But by day, you're actually a labour law consultant. And at other times, of course, you run, paddle and cycle. In fact, when we were chatting earlier, we worked out that you've probably peddled three quarters of the way around the world. So a real adventurer, of course. But how do you balance these aspects of your life? Yeah, there's there's the
1: trick, isn't it? I mean, i uh, uh, um We've always try to to bring the kids up that way to say there's got to be a balance uh, and fight hard to get that balance because this this modern pace is so quick that if you if you're not careful you'll you'll topple over you're on this treadmill of life and but you know as as you go through life i think your your needs change and uh you know as a as a as a youngster you're the only thing that's important is watching cartoons and and uh, having chocolates or sweets. But as you get older, and as you progress through it, um, you know how you how you obtain happiness in your life or what you do to make a difference changes. And so, you know, the old dogs can't learn new tricks is is nonsense. Um, so this trigger for me um, almost happened by osmosis when I was 49. It was a, a realization that. You know, this is not there's more to life than being on this treadmill of life and trying to make ends meet in in my own small business. Um, you know, what is it that's gonna bring meaning to your life? And of course the, the best thing is to have something that also adds value to others, something bigger than your own your own ego or yourself. So That's basically how the expedition started. It was a thought that I wanted to do something that really made me feel alive, and I'd read um, a really good book by Peter van Ketz, The Eighth Summit, and it inspired me to go and do something because I didn't think I could actually do the 6,000-kilometer cycle between all the sand Parks reserves that I ended up doing in 2015-2016, the first time it was ever done. I didn't think it was possible, and... You know in your life you have to put yourself at the starting line of something that you don't think you can actually achieve in some kind of a micro adventure or and everybody's you know concept of an adventure is different but you have to put yourself there and think well at that start line is there something i can manage and if you don't do that you don't really get self-development and so it was important to me that besides the my business, that I had a balance and I did something that really um, fed that, that sense of wanting to make a difference in meaning and uh, so at the time we had the, the recruitment business and labor law consulting and uh, I managed to balance it somehow a part-time adventure is probably a misnomer but um, I'm still doing it at, at uh, 56 and, and, you know, it really adds such a lot of meaning and satisfaction to my life, but also my family's as well.
0: A lot of the people I speak to, they talk of a particular moment or a person that inspired them to make this change in their life. Can you remember that moment when you thought, I'm going to walk a different path here? Because we talked about uh, your involvement in the corporate world, of course. Um, and also, what gave you that uh, passion and your mission to, in particular, to, to highlight the plight of the rhino here in Southern Africa?
1: I have to I have to say that I think the initial seeds were sown by Kingsley Holgate the um, you know he's an incredible adventurer and uh, the Royal Geographic Society um he's he's an amazing man and I think I think what attracted me to what Kingsley and his family were doing was just that that he was on these missions of goodwill with his family and living his passion. Uh, So I'd met Kingsley a couple of times uh, at the send-off to some of his uh, his expeditions. Strangely enough um, I've got to know him and he actually did the foreword on my book as well so it's a very nice completion of that circle for me. So yeah I I think as I I used the word earlier process of osmosis you know it's I don't know how it is that you come to that point where you it all comes together and there's a suddenly there's a tipping scale in your life and you realize i'm going to do something different which as i said was in 2015 in a state where i didn't feel i could do an expedition of that nature you know dramatically overweight unhealthy um, and feeling i couldn't leave my business for a day without it collapsing so, but I got to that point where I decided I'm going to do it, and it was a courageous step. And so, faith and courage has always been something which I know is a essential ingredient for for me to be able to step into that unknown and to become that little bit mad, as you as you mentioned. Um, and I had to I had to live by that. Um, as I said, I've been a Sandparks honorary ranger for 15 years and I've had this upbringing from my folks, um, conservation is at heart, so it wasn't a far stretch for me to say I wanted to move or combine that desire of, um, to get out there and to stretch myself in an, in, a, in an adventure form with something so close to my heart, which was rhino conservation. So being involved in ADO, um, I'd had some interactions with Rhino. I was the chairman of the region for uh, for a while. And something needed to be done. And, you know, I really looked at it and thought, I've got an opportunity here to draw more awareness than anything else to the need for people to move from caring to doing and to step up and to teach the youngsters to do the same. So it was an easy jailing of my two passions that uh, had made it all work for me in terms of um meaning in my life yeah,
0: yeah but it's it's not been in, it's not been a straightforward journey for you can you give some thought what's been the toughest challenge to date would you say would it would it be a physical challenge a mental challenge perhaps or something in your in your in your personal life that you've had to overcome i've had many difficult physical challenges in terms
1: of the expeditions you know obviously the 6000k's over two and a half months, 2,000 Ks, 2,500 Ks in the second and third expeditions. It's hard to get up in the morning when you when you saw to, to do the same thing. <clears throat> and I think, excuse me, that um, being aware of, um, you know, the fact that you're doing this when you're, when you're not running your business, uh, that financial pressure was, was always there because it costs you when you're doing it. But more to your point, I think on a very personal note, the, the most difficult period personally in my life must have been when our son was diagnosed with cancer, the same one in in uh, Cape Town, Daniel. So he's fine now and he's he's completely um, cured of it, but it's it's no um, news that any parent wants to hear anybody actually, of course, but so it was a difficult journey. Uh, you know you want to, as a parent, be able to step in and fix it. But you can't. So you can only hope that you've instilled in your children the the fortitude and the faith and the strength that would enable them to overcome this very personal struggle, which he did with absolutely flying colours. But it also it also just exemplified the need for your you know family support and friend support as well which, I th- you know, we, we gathered together or we be pulled together as a family just to, to help him through it and for him to get through it as well. But that, hands down, I think is the, the single most difficult moment. Uh, you know, it was one of those stories you hear about people going grey. I went grey quite quickly. But, you know, it's all, it's all good, hand. there are people that have got a, a lot worse um, to deal with in, in their lives. So it's worked out very well for us, for which we're very grateful, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sure in those moments when you're struggling up the hill, you've had enough of that day on the bike, or even at work. Those are the those are the moments, and you think back to that, and uh, obviously Daniel's recovery, which has inspired you to go on. Yeah. Talking about some of those long days, you must have had some uh, rather amusing moments on your journeys. Um, you've been, you've probably seen more South Africa, Southern Africa than most of us because you've cycled it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, can, you, can you recount some of the lighter moments on your journeys where people have kind of helped you along the way and when you've been ready to give up?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, the, the amazing thing that I, I can just share about that is South Africa is an incredible place. Eh? It's not the place that is portrayed in the news it's not the place that is portrayed in, um, on you know, in social media and all the hate comments and uh, and so on. Um, when you're on a bicycle, moving fairly slowly and sometimes very slowly, you get to meet ordinary South Africans and to engage with them, and um, and it's just lovely. There's nothing more vibrant than South Africa. Good and bad, it's all part of the picture, you know. And so, you would have the You'd have the moments of of cycling and somebody sitting on the side of the road and watching you come from miles away, and eventually you you know you get to you get to him and he has a look and he notices there's a grey beard, you know, underneath that helmet, and this guy's riding a lo- you know fast and and out of nowhere, and he'll just yeah yo, yo 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 as you go past, <laughs> you know, and it just lifts you for the next hour or so, but. Um, I think I think if I, if I look back to this last expedition, one of the lightest moments must have been the the start of the expedition. The day before, actually in Swakopmund, and I wrote from Swakopmund to, to PE, the a bike shop said to me, "Listen, you have to you have to actually postpone the start of the expedition because there's a gale force wind coming in easterly. You can't ride in it. None of us can ride in it." just Postpone. I said, well, I can't, you know, I have, a, I have an appointment at 12 o'clock on the 22nd of September where I'll be arriving at the Donkin. I can't miss a day, you know, it's, I've had to back plan every single day it is coordinate to coordinate, I cannot miss it, I have to ride in it, and so, you know, the first 40 k's of the ride the next morning, which was to Valfus Bay, was like a dream, it was on Tar Road and everything went well, and I had a, a journalist had contacted me to say, can I meet you outside Valfus Bay at the airport? just to, you know, to interview you, which I did. And we've got, you know, the, this very sparse landscape in the back and he was asking me about the day so far. And I said, it's actually been, been a cinch, you know, and all this talk of weather and so on, it's actually looks like it's going to be easy. And I knew that there was the dirt road was starting um, shortly. But he had no sooner gone and I, you know, I'd started riding it was about... Not even a kilometre away, that I, I I got onto the dirt road, which was hellish. It was just, I can tell you, corrugations and sand, and it was like somebody turned on this gigantic fan, and you know, there's no, there's nothing to stop the wind, and the, there's no trees or anything. It was just like, <laughs> and I was suddenly riding at five kilometres an hour, and in pain, a world of pain. That's 60 k's that I had to do like that. It was ten and a half hours, and uh, when I stopped and I looked at the, um, you know, my Garmin, it said four days recovery, but I had to do it oh, all oh, again oh. the next day. But it's those moments that just, I look back and I chuckle at, you know, that sort of, ah, it's a piece of cake. That's life, ten yeah. minutes later.
0: Nothing more important than yeah. local knowledge, is it? L- yeah. Listen to the locals when they say that. Listen, I love, I love the slogan. It really did capture me. You know, one land, love it. How is the state of our land? Is it, uh, are we going to get through these challenges? Have you, got, have you got hope for the future? I often say if we haven't got hope, we haven't got anything. But I also believe that the people are important. You do a lot of work with local communities as well, not just saving our species, but engaging with local communities. How important is that as well?
1: Yeah. It's the people of South Africa that, that give me the hope. The ordinary people the resilience of the south african is incredible i mean what we have to withstand on a on a on a daily basis and i'm not just talking about the poverty that is so evident when you when you ride through this country you know um coming from namibia it just struck me the every single town that you come into has got the Damning marks of burnt tyres at the entrance, where the roads have been blocked, and of course that was one thing that I had to nega- navigate as well. You know, um, riding through that uh, on on on, a, on a, one occasion at least at Uppington. but times are tough, and the 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 politicians are depressing, man. they you know <laughs> they're full of corruption and deceit, and there's the. It feels like things are not working properly, you know, the the judicial system and and the politics. of as I say, it's just when you look at that. But I've got absolute hope when I speak to the the, the real people. And as I say, I've, I've I've spoken to a lot of them in uh, in ten and a half thousand Ks that I've ridden around the countries. But. Um, they are so resilient and so determined to succeed and to find a way around the obstacles. So resilience is the ability to bounce back to your original shape. It's a toughness. And somehow we bounce back to that original shape quite easily um, in South Africa. And meeting these kids, you know, the community work that we're involved in, um, on the the one hand, it's quite heartbreaking when you see the kids at school that are really... You know hungry um they don't have sanitary pads um and these kids you, you know we take sometimes uh shoes and things and these these kids are trying to force their feet into the shoe because they're just so desperate to have maybe their first pair of shoes and so on and you realize how easy it is to make a difference to be kind to people and um and how much there's a need now for Ubuntu for this collaboration and for those that have, have got more to help those that have got these and so on but the contact and the context or the, the context for us really is the is conservation and we like anything in Africa you've got to look at it holistically and you can't speak to the kids on the border of Sankwa, we we're quite involved and say to them doesn't conserve that Rhino on the other side of the fence so these first world people that are driving through can enjoy it um, you have to be able to to explain why it's important to them and show that you care actually so hence the name one man love it which can seem quite elementary to people um, but it's, it's something that's understood by the kids and um, if you drive through Sankwa now, they'll all be shouting, Oli, Oli, and we've got this life-size rhino that we'll pull, pull behind us just to add a, a picture to the, the acronym as well. His name's also called Oli. But, yeah, I've got I've got hope. As much as, you know, poaching figures are on the increase, um, there are signs of positive things as well. You know, there's um, the private reserves are doing amazing work. Um the judicial system, like in or Grahamstown, they're really doing great work in terms of dealing with poachers. There's signs of, there's signs of hope and I, I really there's, there's, when I see conservationists out there that are putting their lives on the line, rangers that are sleeping in the bush and fighting for our heritage, um, I've got to believe that there's we're going to win this battle. It's just whether we can do it in time is the question.
0: Well, I think uh, with people like you, around, Wayne, we've we've got a chance, and uh, I'm sure you've inspired a lot of people listening to this. How can people help, and how can people follow what you what you've been doing and and the and the journey of One Land Love It?
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, so often get asked the the question, um, "What can we do to help?" And please don't think that you can't do anything. Educate yourself about the rhino situation in particular, and I uh, understand that there's a lot of rhino fatigue but just understand um, about it read the articles that that come across your your path and and then decide how can you within the framework of your own life do something that makes a difference and it can be something very simple it can be liking a post or um, you know and, and so on but the least you can do is to explain to your children the need for conservation and environment uh, environmental preservation um, and to let them see that you're serious about that um, and get involved where you can uh, you know not everybody can go and ride around the the country um, I completely understand that but you can support events you you can buy something from a, a charity um, and get involved with nonprofits you know that are credible nonprofits there are many that are not credible where a large portion of the Funds are actually going on so-called admin fees, and uh, possibly are admin fees, but they're very high. Um, you know, I'm very proud of One Land Love It in that regard. You know, we uh, we have a very, um, very, very small drain on any funds that come in. Um, you know, it, it goes to to the area that it should. So, if you're a corporate go and find us on One Land Love It, or sorry, One Land Um, or or find us on Facebook, just search one uh, one name, love it. And if you've got some finances at the end of the year that, um, you know, you would, in terms of your social responsibility that you'd like to donate, we can give Section 18A certificates, so consider that. And, you know, if you you want to give some passive giving um, rather than donations and so on, then on my planet if you go and search or register or just add another beneficiary one land love it you can find us there as well and every time you go and shop at Woolies and so on a portion of that um, purchase will actually come to Ollie as well and we can use that for direct rhino work you know the dehorning and the collaring um, and so on for the the, the um, education that we do the community work and so on it will Go to a good cause and a good, um, yeah, a good cause, and that I can promise. Yeah.
0: And uh, the next a- expedition, when are you on your bike again? Yeah, you know, I'm, I've got <laughs>
1: I, I know by now that uh, before I commit to anything, I have to be 100% because I always go back to that initial day. That's when the magic happens when you make that commitment. So I can honestly say there's nothing at this stage on the card. I would love to write another book though, um, I find it so fulfilling um, to do that. And uh, just to put it on paper and to digest it all, so um, I'm planning to to do that. And in the meantime, we'll throw all our weight into growing One Land Love It um, together with the board and to make the difference that we can um, in 2023 for our rhino and those that look after them.
0: Thank you, Wayne, for everything you do. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dean. That was Frontierland with Dr. Dean Allen. For more podcasts, visit algoafm.co.za.